Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Story Screen Presents Hot Takes. I am Bernadette Gorman-White, and today I'm joined by... Diana DeMuro. And we were talking recently that it's been a while since we've done a hot take, and B, I don't think we've ever done a hot take together. No. I, I think, think so. I've been the odd man out with Jack and Robbie. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's really funny. It's like there are parents almost, and like oh, yeah. sometimes I'll get one of them, and sometimes I'll get the other. Partial sometimes custody. I get them together. Yeah, and then that's a rare pleasure. Yes. <laughs> We're just like the desperate children. Yeah. We want to like hang out with both our dads. My two dads. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> uh, today we are talking about Ocean's 8. Oh, yeah. Which came out this past Friday. We got to it on a Monday, and we saw it with two gentlemen. Yeah, who separate. were together. Two single gentlemen who were there at a 5 p.m. showing and no one else. <laughs> and probably middle-aged gentlemen at that. Yeah. And I I think at least one of them was slightly bored, but I hope that they enjoyed parts of it. Yes. <laughs> I'm really just like appalled and surprised that pretty much every showing of a movie I go to, I have one person really looking at the phone the whole time. Uh, I wanted to say something because <sighs> they were in my line of sight, but I was right. like, there's only... There's only four of us in this theater. Like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> My odds were really strong that there weren't going to be any phone right. watchers today. Yeah. What can you do? I don't know. <laughs> People don't know how to behave. No. <laughs> so that being said, I cannot believe that dude was looking at his phone because this movie was so much fun oh. and beautiful to watch. It was very beautiful to watch. Yeah. Yeah. So are we should we do some spoiler-free impressions? I think so. I okay. think so. Right. Kind of maybe talk about like the general uh, relevance to the original trilogy because right I've on. only seen Ocean's Eleven. I never uh, saw twelve and thirteen. I think I saw twelve. I don't think I saw thirteen. Okay. So it would it would take a little refreshing of my memory. I'm pretty sure I saw twelve because I think that's the one. Which one is Catherine Zeta-Jones in? I think she's in 12. See? I don't even know that. Yeah. So probably okay. one right. of those. But, the, but Ocean's Eleven is probably the most fun. I think so. Definitely. Yeah. So Because I remember when those two sequels came out, I just, I guess there were other things going on at the time. And yeah. And there was a little bit of a break between them, for right. sure. You know, like they were sort of, they had a little bit of momentum. So this is sort of a weird thing to have this come out so many years later. Yeah. And Definitely. They could have had it not even be an Oceans movie. It could have just been like a lady caper, but maybe they thought that that would bring in some more people. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Probably the latter. Yeah, they probably yeah. thought they needed the name, which is kind of a bummer. It is a little bit of a bummer. But it gave it that air of intrigue for me. Okay. You know. Yeah. It kind of set it, it up where the trailer looked pretty awesome. Yeah, right. absolutely. Okay. Yeah, very enjoyable. This lady cast is like... To quote Robbie, chef's kiss. <laughs> Just wonderful. It's a pretty baller cast, I have to say. It's got some, I like, I love that Sarah Paulson's in it because mm-hmm. she's awesome in pretty much being uptight and then not being uptight. Yes. She's pretty great. Yes. It's a little typecast. I like a little bit of typecast for this movie, but still, still fun as a cameo. Um, who else? Mm-hmm. Weirdo Rihanna. <laughs> Weirdo Rihanna. Who was like sort of playing up her... Her like Rihanna-ness. Rihanna-ness. Yeah. She was just like yeah. smoking weed and being aloof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she and Aquafina are the two that I was the least familiar with going into this movie. So the only thing that I've seen Aquafina in is in this trailer for this new crazy rich Asians movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> I haven't actually seen her in anything else. I don't know what she's from. I mean she was fun. Yeah. She was really fun. Yeah, she was okay. Is she a musician? <laughs> I want to um, say she's a musician, maybe. I don't know. Or maybe I'm a not sure. star. Yeah, okay. maybe. Yeah, she looks like she's the comedic actress in this new movie, Crazy Rich Asians. So, okay. Which is, I guess, based on a very popular book, which I have not read. So maybe another time. Yes. <laughs> Me too, as well. Yeah. Although that trailer does look really good. Yeah. It looks like a good time. <laughs> yeah. But I definitely feel like uh, Kate Blanchett kind of stole the show. Oh my, my goodness. Or just like, she she probably didn't have to even do very much, but she's just awesome. I agree. Like, that would be the woman of the group that I would be like, I want to be her. Yeah. <laughs> I think the fact that she was wearing like pants pretty much the entire time oh, yeah. was very appealing to me. She was just kind of the boss. Yeah. Like, she was like the, the side boss. She was literally Sandra Bullock's partner. Yeah. <laughs> Given the name Lou, that yeah. suits her very well for this film. Yeah, she was the toughie. 
Yeah, she so. like really evoked David Bowie for me with Ooh. like the style of pants that she was wearing. Yeah, by the, the end of the show when they're all like getting dressed up, no spoilers, but just like she's wearing pants and she's yeah. super sparkly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she's ready to get down. Totally. Totally. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny that uh, the two of my favorites, yeah, they're like polar opposites. It's, right. Yeah, the, the Kate Blanchett character and then the Helena Bonham Carter character, Rose. Oh, I love Helena Bonham Carter. She's just like a doofus, but... Adorable. Yeah. I feel like that version of her is like a nicer version than probably how crazy she is in real life. Probably. You know, because I feel like I've seen enough of her being in Tim Burton movies now that I'm like, you crazy. In real life, you're probably really nuts. But eh, she was she was fun. She's pretty tame in this. So we got like the watered down vodka version of Helena Bonham Carter. True. For this. Seriously. Definitely. I think it was so funny when they opened up, when you first meet Helena Bonham Carter's character, she's uh, kind of crying because something isn't going her way. Right. One of her fashion shows is kind of falling apart. Yeah, it kind of bombs. And she has like this spotty eyeliner mascara residue underneath her eyes. Yeah. And I could not fathom, I was like, is that real? That's just probably her eye makeup. (laughs) Is she really that sad? She's Helena Bonham Carter. That's how she would do her eye makeup. She she might do that on purpose in other movies, for sure. Yeah. Right. It's like, this is not far from the aesthetic that I would imagine she would have anyway. Right. Even if things were going her way. So who else is on this? We had Anne Hathaway, Mm -hmm. who I actually enjoyed. I don't really love her to death in most movies, but I thought she was pretty fun. Gotcha. I thought she did a pretty good job. What's yeah. your what's your typical take on her from other films then? Uh, I don't know. It's a mix because you have like your like your Princess Diaries, which are fun, and then you yeah. have your like movies where she's sort of playing someone mean. Yeah. So it's kind of like a, maybe she's kind of typecast as that a lot. Yeah. So maybe that's why it's like weird residual. Um, and then like what what uh what's the one where she is working at? Devil Wears Prada. Devil Wears Prada, yeah. yeah. I feel like that's the last, like, huge role that I really stands out for me. Yeah. I definitely don't hate that film, but I yeah. don't no, think I enjoyed it, it deserves the hype that it Yeah, has. I think it's just because a lot of people love that book. Right. Which I also haven't read. <laughs> I think I really enjoyed Anne Hathaway in the Batman movie. Oh, that's true. The Dark Knight. I did Returns. like her being Selena. She was good. That was great. Yeah, she was good. And so I found that that gave this role a little added like giggle for oh, me. that's true the fact I, that she I didn't was, even like, think about that but that's pretty cool yeah 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 that she was associated in this jewel heist and that's like totally what Catwoman would do I know I cut so all right so give us the premise of the movie if for some reason you're coming into this and you have not seen any of the oceans movies and you're just like lots of ladies I want to see that Bernadette what's the movie about <laughs> so oceans eight is the premise every ocean film is titled with the number of people that they're going to use for a con. Right. And they all deal with different cons, but kind of have the same flavor of jump cuts and side-scrolling scenes and fun editing. Just like fun, hoppy displays of people committing crimes. Right. Essentially. Group group heist of some kind. Yeah. With all the key players that you need for... Whatever aspect, the thief, the hacker, the this, the that, so. Right, right. And then, so, Ocean's 8 opens up on Debbie Ocean, which is, uh... Sandra Bullock. Yes. Yeah. And the sister to Danny Ocean from the original Ocean trilogy. Right, George Clooney. George Clooney. Right. And so you get her getting out of prison on good behavior for parole, and she says, of course, she doesn't want to commit another crime. But, of course, she's been concocting for the f- past five years that she's been in prison this grand crime to steal these jewels. Mm. This necklace, in particular, uh, that's been underground, hasn't been out in public for 50 years. Giant, huge diamonds. <laughs> and the plan <laughs> is to get it out at the Met Gala. Gala? Gala. Gala? <laughs> uh, it's Gala. Okay. <laughs> and uh, take it. Yeah. So, without getting into too much detail just yet, like... You enjoyed it. Overall, I enjoyed it. Overall? It's not my typical type of movie. And to be honest, if this was another Oceans movie with dudes, I wouldn't wouldn't have had any interest in seeing it. Mm. I think it was the lady heist appealed to me, not the ocean aspect. I think definitely the cast was, was pretty stellar, and I was excited about that going in. Um, I think overall, 
not as funny as I remember Ocean's Eleven being. And that can yeah. just be for the type of, of actors that are in this movie. You know, some of them were funny. You got Mindy Kaling. She was kind of the humor. I'm trying to think, you know, Aquafino is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, original Ocean's Eleven, you have a little bit more. Uh, you had like Casey Affleck and uh, what's the other con? It's like it's Scott Con, I think. It's like yes. James Con's son. Yes. Um, like they have really funny chemistry because they're supposed to be brothers. And it's so I kind of missed a little bit more humor to this. This mm-hmm. sort of had like a little bit of uh, like more weird backstory anger than I expected. Yeah. Which we can get into when we get into spoiler time. But yeah, absolutely. I, I wasn't crazy about that part of the plot. Because I felt like it put a weird spin on the characters. They could have just been doing that for their own love of being thieves. <laughs> sure. But. Yeah, I think uh, overall I very like I enjoyed it. Yeah, pretty and fun. I would tell people to go see it if this is their bag. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I definitely think that the beginning of the film, the pacing wasn't that great. Yeah, it's a little slow. It, yeah. It definitely... <laughs> The one out of the two men that were in the theater with us started checking his phone. <laughs> yes. So that's always a sign that things are kind of dragging at a certain point where I'm just like, you know, uh, this is probably halfway through, but it feels longer. Yeah. <laughs> and I do think that some of the characters, and we'll get into this later, definitely got, kind of got the shaft. Like there were a few little very small scenes yeah. that were like kind of pushing forward a character. But right. then once you got to like the end of the film... You were like, oh, they only shot that scene specifically for this later payoff, which didn't even feel that good anyway. Yeah, it wasn't developed enough early on for you to really care about the outcome. Right. I could see that. And I mean, I like briefly quick looked up the director. So the director is Gary Ross. And I don't think he's directed that much. I think he's been a writer for a lot of stuff. So it looks like he was a writer on Pleasantville, which I really enjoyed. But that's also kind of a slow paced movie. He was Mm -hmm. a writer for... Big, which is kind of awesome, and Seabiscuit, and says The Hunger Games. Those are like his big movies, but I don't know what else he's actually directed. So maybe the fact that we found the pacing kind of weird could be part of the fact that maybe he hasn't done that much actual directing. Right. Because if you're the writer, then somebody else is taking your work and tweaking it as they go. So, true. You know, no offense, but. And I wonder if he got pegged for this film because of his direction of The Hunger Games. Yeah, that's, that, that could be like, it. You yeah. already did this like strong lady film. Right. That kind of got the ball rolling yeah. in getting women in action roles. I could see that. Yeah, which, you know, that's fine. It is fun. That's that's founded, I believe, I it think. had a cool cast. It definitely had like having the uh, action take place at the Met was really cool. Because mm-hmm. even if you're not from New York, it's fun to see the inside of a giant art museum with historical artifacts and all kinds of fancy set pieces. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. And then all the outfits were cool, even if you don't really like clothes. Right. But if you do like clothes, then that makes it that much more fun. Yeah. Because you get to see Helena Bottom Carter wearing some crazy shit. And that's that's pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> you have uh, Sandra and Kate and Helena in the first, you know what, 20, 30 minutes of the film? Yeah. Those are the three that are shown the most prominently in the beginning of the film. Right. And in that first half hour, you've already seen those three ladies wear, gosh, like four different outfits each. Right. Like, I'd imagine the wardrobe budget for this film was That insane. was probably, yeah, that was probably the big part of the budget. And yeah. then the if they had to pay people for weird cameos, because there were some pretty famous cameos that we'll get into in spoiler territory that I was like, Wait, are these just like scenes that were filmed at a real Met Gala that they spliced in? Or did they, some of them were, you know, clearly people they had just be cameos in the movie, which were kind of humorous. Right. So. Yeah, yeah very enjoyable. Some of my uh, like favorite movies growing up, since I'm from the Midwest and I'm yeah. not from New York, were movies that glamorize New York and kind of gave you like an insider look into things. Oh, that totally. Typically yeah. don't have. Going to the city as a kid, but not being from the city, you always have kind of this like idealized version of the Met because it's a yeah. cool museum. And when you're a little kid, it's huge and crazy. And there's just so much in there. Like, I loved that book as a kid, The Mixed Up Files, yes. Miss Basil E. Frankweiler. Like, I like when Royal Tenenbaums kind of references that. Yep. Um, there's some cool, cool stuff for wanting to be able to break into a museum. Why not? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like when, when Harry met Sally. Totally. During that scene yeah. with the poppy hash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember the first time I saw that room after moving here. 
Uh, that it just like blew my mind. I was like, I forgot this was in here. Yeah, it's a pretty <laughs> awesome experience. It's sort of like akin to almost like going to a church. Yeah. You know, being in a historical space where there's like a whole temple in there. <laughs> You're just like, what? Absolutely. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, what do you think of the music as well? Did you think the music was a hit or did it take you out every once in a um, while? Or You know, it was funny. It was like uh, I kind of was – anticipating you know the the like these boots are made for walking song because yeah. of that being in the trailer so much right um and they kind of didn't really play that till towards the end of the movie but i would say overall the music didn't really stand out for me mm-hmm. i don't know what did you think i agree yeah which they could have had some fun music in there to kind of amp it up a little bit so maybe that was sort of underutilized i don't know I think so, too. Because I remember the music from Ocean's Eleven more. Like, I remember being, like, the Claire de Lune piece with the background of Vegas and, like, some of the other, you know, more, like, crooner-type songs, like Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin being used pretty heavily. Yeah, So I I feel like they probably could have done some cool female lady songs or something just to, like, power it up a little bit. I agree. I agree. Yeah, the the boots are made for walking part of the film, like... I definitely got a little bit of goosebumps there because yeah. I was like, yeah, this is how this movie should have been the whole time. Like, right. It should have been this amped. A little bit more fist pump. time. Where you're like, fuck yeah, these these ladies are are being cast for these roles that usually would be dudes. So, yeah. Yeah. I think I wanted it to, to like the movie a little more than I did, but overall still pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Still, still pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Not a bad movie, but you know, I, I don't know how often I'll come back and watch it, but... I think this was my one and only yeah, time. Yeah, to be kind, it's probably one and done for me. I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah, not to say that it was unenjoyable, but... Yeah, it was all right. Eh, it was all right. It was okay. <laughs> so this seems like a good time to, like, break and then do some spoilers. What do you think? I think so, yeah. This uh, is a pretty quick first half of a hot take. Yeah. But at this point, uh, I think a good majority of the film... You kind of have to talk about what's going on. Totally. Yeah, like we talked about the writing a little bit and the direction, the acting, and yeah, the music, and that's pretty much all you have. The editing was fun. Yeah. For sure. I kind of like that atmosphere that they have from their previous Oceans movies, like sort of like the like puzzle piecing together of scenes and having them overlap or like the, the one take bleeding into another of people, pa- it's like a note being passed or something like that in school and you're just seeing all the hands that it goes to. It's, I like kind of like that. Yeah, that's fun. It is fun. That's another draw for sure for a heist movie in general. Yeah. You hope for that. You go in wanting to see that. Yeah, they did that well. But yeah, let's uh, take a break. Okay. And then we'll come back and really get into it. All right. All right. Story Screen fans, I'm here to quick tell you about some great showings that we're having this summer in June and July. Uh, A lot of them are actually going to be out on Bannerman Island. So they're going to be part of the Bannerman Island Trust, and they are going to be ferrying people out there where our very own Mike Burge and members of the Story Screen family are going to be presenting some movies. We're also doing some at The Shed in Beacon. So coming up, we just had uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, but coming up next is going to be Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory on June 23rd. There's going to be The Sandlot coming up at the Shed in Beacon on Sunday, June 24th, North by Northwest on July 20th, and then there's going to be a few more after that, Danger Diabolic and Starship Troopers. So all the ticketing info and a little info about each showing, as well as a really sweet trailer of the upcoming movies are on our website, storyscreenbeacon.com. You can also look out for posts on Instagram, uh, story underscore beacon underscore, whoops, I screwed that up, story underscore screen underscore beacon. Um, and yeah, you can follow us on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and listen to our podcast anywhere you stream. All right, guys, now we're going to get back to the show. Listeners, welcome back. This is the second half of our Ocean's Eleven podcast. I'm Jack Kolodeski. And I'm Robbie Anderson. <laughs> if only this was like, what, how many years ago? Yeah, I don't was remember. Ocean's Eleven? I don't remember when that actually came out, but I, I would love it if we were just like, who's Brad Pitt? <laughs> 
who is this guy going to be? Is yeah. he going to have a career? Yeah. He seems like he's got so much charisma. <laughs> Robbie would be like, I actually haven't seen this movie. Probably not. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised, but little bro, we can watch that whenever you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Always there to go back to. <laughs> but just kidding. This is a... Still the Ocean's 8 podcast. Yeah. With Bernadette and Diana. Nice. <laughs> I like it. We're yeah. getting into spoiler territory. Yes, yes. So now like we're actually going to get into the nitty gritty of what each of these characters do and yeah. what the implications are for yeah. these characters. What do they bring to the, the table? Yeah. yeah. What their motivation is for actually getting into the life of crime if they haven't been already. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, getting back to the heart of the film... Uh, Debbie Ocean, we find out pretty early on that she is Danny Ocean's sister. Right. And that Danny Ocean is dead. Yeah, which which I don't remember. I don't know if that happened in Ocean's 13 because I didn't see it. Right. Or if that's just like a new thing. And it's also like implied that we don't really know if he actually is dead. Which is very fun. He could have faked it and be around later. Yes. Which I'm sure does not help Debbie get any closure about, like, saying goodbye to her brother. Which True. has got to make her more damaged even more. Yeah. It's, so the writing for the character is done pretty well. Yeah, it seems like she's coming from a family of crime. <laughs> right. And a family that really can't trust even each other. Even though they love each other, they can't really trust anyone to be telling the truth ever. Totally. Which would obviously make you even more messed up. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. <laughs> yeah, so you had a definite couple of moments where you're like, oh, oh, from the references. Yeah, to there the were a few. Trilogy. There were a few references to the original. Um, there was like a, a sneak attack character of somebody that was in the original Ocean's Eleven, which is kind of hilarious because I bet like everyone else is now too big a name to come back. True, but they had like I know Elliot Gould, but I don't remember his name. In the original. Me neither. Uh, she says it. Ruben. Ruben. Yeah. Uh, so he's much older, obviously. He's got a cameo in the beginning. And then at the very end, there is the small <laughs> Yen, who the actor, I'm going to mispronounce his name. It's like Shobin or Xiaobin Quinn. Right. And he's quite acrobatic and he's also quite tiny because he's curling up inside of like a you know, like a delivery cart for, for like food services. Right. So for like bringing room service around or something like that. So he's hiding in there. Um, yeah, but he was fun. He was kind of a fun surprise at the end. I, I enjoyed that. Um, which, I mean, it doesn't really matter if you hadn't seen Ocean's Eleven, but if you did, right. that was just kind of like a little, they were throwing you some crumbs. Yeah. I don't know if they were needed, but they were fun. Yeah. All right. I had a couple of lady friends who unfortunately couldn't join us this evening for the movie but yeah, one of them said, like, well, I probably shouldn't see it because I haven't seen the other two or the other three. And it's like, no, you don't have to. In all it's honesty, like thing yeah, of. I don't think it was needed. Like, you could have gotten away with no knowledge of it. I feel like enough times passed and the characters were pretty good. Mm-hmm. But um, I definitely could see, like, they're trying to draw some audience in by having it be slightly linked to this chain of popular movies. But you're kind of like, eh. It's not Soderbergh, so it's not as good directing. <laughs> it's right. okay. Right. Yeah. Now, uh, for the other characters, there are some that I think were definitely really well written, and there are others that I thought were underwritten and kind of did a disservice to the audience and the characters themselves. Let's start with who you liked and then work our way to the weaker point. Gotcha. <laughs> Let's start out strong. Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, one of... The best characters in the film was Lou, the Kate Blanchett character. Yeah, who's like the bosom buddy of Sandra Bullock. Absolutely. She's yeah. kind of like the COO of totally. this corporation. Just of, like the one who's... Of thieves. Yeah. <laughs> the one managing it all and making sure that things go smoothly. Right. Yeah. And she was sort of like the... Uh, kind of like diffusing things that could have gotten out of hand or calming people down. But she was also like the only person that could go up to... Debbie Ocean and be like WTF right. why are you doing this or you're gonna you're gonna screw this up because no one else really knew totally the whole story yeah Kate Blanche's character is totally like she was the one that actually could rein Sandra Bullock's character in like she had a little bit more charisma she was good at like diffusing the situation um it was kind of weird you were sort of like she didn't really need the heist no it was sort of like she's doing it because they're friends yes <laughs> 
<laughs> like of all the characters, like she seemed like she's a little bit shady, but she's also doing fine. And she's not in jail, like Sandra Bullock's character. So right. everyone else sort of is either in debt or really poor or living with a relative that they don't like, like Ming D. Kaling. But it's just sort of like everyone else definitely had more to gain from being part of this heist. Right. Yeah. I was a little disappointed to give some backstory to what we're talking about. Mm. So Debbie has been in prison for five years. Right. And you find out about two thirds of the way through the film that she was put there by a lover, by a boyfriend, what have you, who she was also pulling cons with. Right. And a con went south and he turned her in and she wasn't going to do anything to throw him under the bus, she was going to cover for both of them. Yeah, she didn't suspect that he would throw her under. Right. Yeah, and he did. And he did. And so she gets put away for five years. And so during this heist that we're currently watching in the film, you start to find out the wheels are turning in her head that she's going to put him away. Right. This time. She's setting him up to take the fall for the crime they're going to do. Right. Which is... You know, it's sort of like, oh, yes, sweet revenge. But on the same instance, you're like, ah, I kind of wish the story wasn't about a woman who's just pissed off. Yeah, and jilted. At a a man. Like, I was kind of like, she could be cool and just be an awesome thief and do this because she just likes doing it. Right. Like George Clooney, you know, but eh, instead there's like weird. Connotations. Yeah, like scorned woman backstory that. Kate Blanche's character is like, WTF, you're going to ruin this by bringing that into it. Why does there have to be, I think she says something like, why does there have to be an asterisk right. to it? Like some other subplot to the to the whole plan. And I was a little disappointed because, yeah, the Lou character, Kate Blanchett's character, she does say, if you frame him for this, I'm out. Right. And then after it goes the way that Debbie wanted it to go, Lou doesn't make any mention of it at all. Like she's she really like, doesn't. They're just like totally oh, cool about it. Oh, more money, whatevs. Yeah, <laughs> which I found kind of strange. It is a little strange. Yeah, it's sort of like I guess no one really has morals, right? I guess that's true. <laughs> but I guess if you're gonna rob that much, yeah. And I guess maybe Lou kind of like viewed it as like if you frame him, it's gonna go south, and we're not gonna get away with it. But the fact that they got away with it makes I it guess. okay. Yeah. She, her, like, she didn't really have morals. She just... No. Like, okay. She just didn't want it to fall apart. Right, right. And uh, doing a little IMDb sleuthing, the the guy that scorned Sandra Bullock's character, Claude Becker, is the character. Mm-hmm. It's Richard Armitage. And I was like, who is this guy? I had to look him up, and then I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, he's in... He's Thorin. <laughs> he's in the Hobbit movies. Yeah. And I was just like, wait a minute. I recognize him. I just need him to have longer hair and a longer beard. Right? <laughs> so funny. He's a bit of a chameleon. Yeah, Because totally. I did not pick him out of a crowd for anything. I guess because we're not used to him being tall, but okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, not to sound terrible, but yeah. Um, but yeah. So. But I found him uh, extremely uncharismatic. He really was. Yeah. But maybe that's the point. They don't want you to like him because then you'd feel bad that he's taking the crime. You know, he's taking the fall for it. Sure. It kind but of you're right. weakened uh, Debbie's character then to have fallen for him so hard. Yeah, I didn't I didn't I like know. that either. I didn't I th- that was like my major gripe with the overall plot was that they made it kind of like she got duped. Because yeah. you want to believe that she's, or the, like, yeah, it's like a stereotype, like, oh, she's smart. She could pull off this awesome crime, but she fell in love and then she got punished. Right. She right. got her heart broken and sent to jail. And I'm like, dude, what kind of moral is that? Right. Right. <laughs> there was a very, very funny line, though, when she's talking about how good he is in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. He's good in the kitchen. That was very funny. That was pretty funny. I got a very audible laugh yeah. from me. Yeah, Totally. <laughs> I know. I feel like there were a few times in this movie where we were both laughing pretty loud. Yes. And that was good. I felt like there could have been more, but it was good. (laughs) Definitely. But yeah, so we have like the Lou character and the Debbie character. And we kind of touched briefly on Helena Bonham Carter earlier. Right. But even though her character wasn't very fleshed out, I still really liked her. She was a lot of fun. She's kind of a kooky, uh, sort of has-been designer. She's Mm -hmm. supposed to be entering her older years and not as... Not as famous, not as successful anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
and she's supposed to be, I guess, owing people money, is pretty broke, maybe going to go to jail herself. Mm-hmm. So she's motivated to team up for a big sum of cash. Right. And she's kind of like the perfect person you would want on your team because she's kind of dumb. Yeah. But she's not dumb enough to mess something up. Right. She can kind of almost be like used as padding totally. for your team. Totally. Like they could have, I would, if they had to throw someone under and kind of like take a fall, she would have been the one. It probably would have made the most sense. Right. Yeah, because she wouldn't have realized it was happening. Right. She could have played it off completely dumb. Right. And just said, I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. So we've got... Uh, we've got her character, and then we've got um, like Mindy Kaling playing sort of yeah. like a like a gemologist. Yes, <laughs> and I only know that because my cousin briefly went to school for that. Oh, so really? She got to appraise diamonds in the city for a while. Which oh, is, wow! Which is weird. Um, it's like a weird thing, but it's kind of funny. So they kind of put her as like a being under the thumb of her pushy mom. Mm-hmm. Just like that very typical. Yeah. Indian stereotype. Yeah, just like yeah. she's not married, so she's bringing shame to her family. Yes. <laughs> I think that was the, well, hmm. that or Sarah Paulson's character have the weakest backstory in writing. They do. Where. Yeah, they don't have a lot of payoff. I feel like Mindy Kaling at least has some humor in the beginning. Yeah. And a little more sass to her character. Um, like she's kind of arguing with her mom. You know, she's not just sitting there taking it, but. Uh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, they don't, it's a little, it's a little rushed for, you know, the amount of characters that there are. Right. But, meh. It was a little disappointing, in my opinion, for the very, like, small, it was literally maybe a seven second scene, mm. where you have Aquafina as Constance talking to Minnie Kayleen's character, Amita. Oh, and right. she's teaching her how to use Tinder. Right. And my thought process is, like... How does anyone who is still single not, not know how to use Tinder? Totally. And then to find that the payoff at the end of the film for Mindy Kaling's character is like, oh, she's now going on the date with the dude that she matched with on Tinder. I know. She's part, like, what? Part of me, yeah, and we should talk about that like end sequence for sure yeah. a little bit more. But like part of me was like, is this a dream sequence of like what they're all going to spend their money on? Or is this supposed to be what they're actually doing? Because I'm like, if that's her imagination that she's going to like go to Paris and meet some new dude, power to you. But if that's what actually happens, kind of lame. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, ah, like, come on. <laughs> You could do more. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, yeah, definitely a lot of these women, it didn't seem like the man was important to them, which was cool. Which I feel like should have been more of the message with having, like, a a sisterhood caper. Right. (laughs) You know, like, being like, oh, you know, the woman scorned. We don't need them. Right. But yet. But a couple of the characters, yeah, leaned really heavily into, like, the necessity to have the man's acceptance or the man's uh, revenge scenario play out. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Those two characters hinged a little bit too much on the man aspect for me. Yeah. And and it's kind of funny, too, because um, I would say, you know, like, the representation in the movie of the cast is diverse ethnically, and everyone's a woman, but it's also kind of like, I feel like you had the Aquafina character be a little bit more tomboyish, Mm -hmm. and then you also had Rihanna's character sort of pseudo, you know, like have some more solo um not be as wrapped up in in a, in a man sequence for that but mm-hmm. you know everyone's still like pretty straightforward pretty like identifying them as cisgender or hetero you know like it's yeah, like very which like is fine but it's also kind of like oh if you're going to go that you could push it one more and have like, one random character be a lesbian or sure. or not or whatever you know it's just like i don't know I will say I liked that the, the Rihanna character, Nineball, yeah. and uh, Kate Blanchett's character, Lou, I liked that those two characters almost seemed asexual. They definitely which did. Which was very cool. And I don't know if they meant it to come off that way, or right. if their characters were a little underwritten, but I think that's cool seeing that kind of representation in film. It is cool. And then at the same time, it makes me wonder, and I'm not saying this just to like be a pain in the ass, but like, do you think that... For those characters to be kind of like strong or good at whatever skill set they have, that they're making them seem less feminine. Yeah, unfortunately, which is kind of kind of towing that line. Yeah, Yeah. because it's kind of a weird thing. Because on the one hand, you're like, yeah, she reminds me of David Bowie, and she's awesome. But then you're also like, oh, Rihanna's character Eight Ball, like 
why couldn't she be girly and still be a hacker, a hacker and be good at computers? You're sort of like, eh, okay. Yeah, she's <laughs> definitely very feminine. Yeah, I mean, and... they, they do all get their chance to wear fancy dresses inside the Met at one point, but... Right, right. Kind of like, Meh. Yeah. <laughs> I just liked that it seemed that, yeah, Nineball definitely did not care what anyone thought about her, which was cool. I did like that. Yeah. Yeah. I did like that we got a little um, quick reveal of her having a little sister. Yeah. And having a name because she's telling everyone that she wants to be called by her nickname, Nineball. She's not telling them her her real name. And her little sister kind of like blows up her spot, but also <laughs> helps them by also knowing other, you know, totally random knowledge, like pickpockety, you know, gadget. Like she's like, her little sis is like the cue. Yes. <laughs> you know, like Absolutely. figuring out how to take stuff apart, which is awesome. Or like Black Panther's little sister. Yeah. Like just like knows totally. the tech. Sheer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I will say that when you get into that like actual heist sequence of the film, mm. that is the moment where I step out of myself and I'm like, all right, just have fun with this. Yeah. Like this isn't super believable, but neither were the original Oceans trilogy no. films either. I feel like once the the thing with this one, I felt like it took so much time with the setup mm-hmm. that by the time you get to them actually trying to steal this giant necklace off of Anne Hathaway's neck, that you're like, yeah, let, exactly. Like, let's just have fun with it. Ride it out. See what's going to happen. You figure that there's going to be some kind of a twist. Because mm-hmm. there always is. And then we kind of go into it knowing that Sandra Bullock's character is also trying to get back at her ex for putting her in jail. So right. we're kind of expecting there to be some part of that to come into play without knowing when or how. So, I mean, that was fine. It was yeah. all right. It was okay. So definitely, yeah, a lot of levels going on during this heist and they're all playing a certain role. Yeah. And I have a question for you. So Sarah Paulson's character, Tammy, gets... Her, her role is to essentially become, like, one of the planners yeah. at Vogue for this particular event. Right. She works her way into the inside. Right. And the reason she gets this job is because someone got sick with chiggers. Yeah. And they never, like, planted those in the film, right? There's not a scene where that's going down. I feel correct? like the fact that she knew so much detail maybe it was implied maybe there was a scene like that got cut where they maybe. like took whoever out was supposed to be working at at vogue and they plant sarah paulson's character to apply and be overqualified right i also thought it was kind of weird like what exactly was sarah paulson's like thing she just like illegally hijacked shipping trucks like it was sort of yeah. a weird lame backstory her garage is just filled with a lot of crap yeah <laughs> They they called her the fence in that opening scene where they're introducing her, and I guess that's a term that I'm unfamiliar yeah. with. Yeah, but I guess that I means... guess our life of crime is not as informed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We don't have fences; we have gates. Yeah, I don't <laughs> really understand. Maybe I'll Google that later. But right, <laughs> right. And I think her character too. Her like attachment to her children seemed completely forced. Yeah. Like, I get that they were saying that she was unsatisfied being a mother. And yeah, that's how kind they of, roped her in there. Yeah, they kind of dangle the excitement and the money as a way to, like, lure her away from her family. Right. Which is funny, but weird. But also weird. Yeah. Yeah. It was unfortunate to see, because she talks to her children in two or three different circumstances. Her son's kicking a ball around her kitchen. Uh, her daughter comes into the garage while she's talking to Debbie. Yeah, she's hungry for dinner. And then uh, she's in the driveway talking to her son. She's right. like, I'm going on a job. Yeah. Go and help my friend Debbie. And all three of those times, I'm like, there's no connection at all that these are your kids. Yeah. It was just weird. Like, as an actress for Sarah Paulson, I feel like the writing was really poor for those scenes. But yeah. Or maybe it just wasn't that important. She's just underutilized because she's a great actress. So she could have done more for sure. But Mm -hmm. maybe she was just having a good time in the bit part they gave her. I don't know. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, That's true. But uh, so we talked about those characters. Is there anyone else that you wanted to kind of touch on that you felt like you know, you liked or or wasn't used as much. I mean, I know we kind of briefly talk about Aquafino plays Constance, and she's like the pickpocket. Yeah, and I think out of all of these actresses, because we're pretty familiar with all of these other people at, at this point. Right. Maybe not so much Rihanna, but we're yeah. still very familiar with her. Yeah, she's still like a recognizable face, but for I, sure. I definitely think Aquafina was kind of like the breakout. 
of this movie. Yeah. Like, she was fun. Now I want to know more about her. Yeah. For sure. I felt like they could have used her even more because she was more comedic than some of the other characters. Mm -hmm. So it would have been nice to have her be even sillier. Yeah. But that was good. So what did you think about Anne Hathaway? I really enjoyed this character. Yeah, she was good. I thought she did a great job eating the scenery. Yeah. It was great. She was pretty fun. So um, you want to set it up on like how she seems at first and then... Since we're in spoiler time, we can reveal how she turns out. Sure, sure. I think it's a, this is probably not even meant to be a thing, but her name in this film is Daphne Kluger, <laughs> which really reminds me of the name Diane Kruger. Yeah. Who, in Troy, she played the most beautiful woman oh, yeah. in the world. Yeah. So I feel like they're really like leaning hard into that like Daphne Kluger. Yeah. Like she is the it girl. She's supposed to be, you know, we see her on like the sides of cabs and things like that. Um, she's supposed to be the celebrity for the Met Gala that year. Mm -hmm. um, like the celebrity. And and then they kind of rope her into uh, deciding to pick Helen Bottom char Carter's character to design her dress, right? Which is kind right. of a funny scene. It's kind of cool. It is funny. Um, but yeah, so she sort of I don't know. I, I think that she's kind of tongue-in-cheek. It's good. Like, she's yeah. funny while she's trying to sort of play vapid and, you know, uh, insecure about how she looks at the same time and needing some reassurance as she's getting to, like, wear all these awesome clothes. Um, and they kind of toy with her a little bit by setting her up with the guy that scorned Sandra Bullock's character. I don't know. What else? What do you think? Yeah, I think you wrapped it up pretty well. I think that during the beginning of the film, I was like, oh, man, this actress is insufferable. Like, yeah. She's just not a cool person at all. Totally. And then they do a really good job of flipping that towards the end of the film. Yeah. Where you start to realize that, yeah, she still has some insecurity issues for sure. But you just wonder how much she is playing into that because she has the money or because people almost expect that of her. I could see that. To be vapid yeah. and just insufferable to deal with. Yeah. So, yeah, you kind of never really know what her character is thinking or doing. Right. At the beginning, you think she's very one note. Totally. And then you find out later on, like, no, maybe she's a lot deeper than we all anticipated and sandra bullock says pretty early on like her character says like okay that's not our mark so like they're yeah. not trying to trick her character early on like they're like we're gonna get the necklace off her we're gonna have somebody else take care of it for us and that's not who we're gonna peg for the for the crime right and we find out later that she's you know gonna blame it on her ex but right yeah definitely leading up to that heist it was fun to watch her, but I yeah. did not like her. No, I think and you're yeah. not meant to. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're kind of like, is she going to be in on this or not? And then they kind of toy with you a little bit. And I kind of expected it. But yeah, the twist ends up being that in the end, she finds out about it and she's part of the group. So. Yeah. If she's not in it from the get-go, which I was wondering if they were going to have that be part of the story, like that she had known all along. But do you think that would have been better if she had? Oh, uh, well, going into it, knowing it's called Ocean's 8, you know that there are going to be eight people in Yeah, you knew there was one missing, so you're trying right. to figure out who that might be. And during the beginning, uh, Sandra, Sandra's character, Debbie, does say to Lou... Well, how many people... Well, Lou questions are like, we would need 20 people for that. And she was like, right. no, seven. Seven. And yeah. so you're thinking like, oh, is she including herself in this seven? Or is she imagining herself with seven other ladies? That's true. And so I was like, oh, I feel like she kind of had a feeling that whoever they got to wear the necklace... Had to be in on be it. In on yeah, it, it makes like sense. the wheels were turning. Because she said she's planned this for five years... She's played it out so many different ways. Right. And they all got caught up until this one. Right. And so I feel like she already had a good idea of like, well, we're probably 99% going to include the person, the actress we totally was on. Yeah. So I don't know. It worked for me. Yeah. Definitely. So, you know, the, the ex, he's not very memorable. No. Um, but we do get to have lovely James Corden as a weird cameo at the end. I mean, he's, he's he, I guess he's more than a cameo, but... He's a 
It's just, yeah, a small role. He's a very small character. He's supposed to be uh, working for the insurance company for Cartier, where the necklace is coming from. Um, But then, like, how much sense did that make at the end? So he knows... He knows uh, Debbie the Ocean, Ocean or the Ocean family, but yeah. so he doesn't necessarily want to have her, her arrested. But I don't know. It, it's it, that it gets a little convoluted. Like that's not done very well. I agree. Yeah, that whole character took me out. Yeah, Which, he's he's a little bit too like silly to be playing the random, uh, you know, I don't know, Brit, yeah. random Brit who's investigating this, and you're also like, why wouldn't they call the actual police? Right. <laughs> Right. I don't know. I'm like, there'd be an FBI if this was like a $150 million necklace that was stolen. Right. It wouldn't be like some random insurance adjuster. So going into this, like, James Corden, I watched him in things before he became a late night talk show host. Right. So like, I had seen him in Gavin and Stacey. I had seen him in a couple episodes of Doctor Who. He's in like, Into the Woods. He's in Into the Woods. <laughs> but I think that was even... Right on the peak of when he was, right on the brink of when he was going to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The next Late Late Show sure. host. Uh, but yeah, so I think at this point, putting James Corden, just like at this point, putting Jimmy Fallon or Seth Meyers. It's a little too goofy. It's It takes you out of the film because you don't necessarily know that person as an actor anymore. You know them yeah. as an entertainer. And also that character was small. It didn't really need to be somebody famous. Right. Maybe they were just like, we should get someone fun. But then you're kind of like, hmm. You didn't really need to. No. <laughs> and it made me wonder, too, if, and I guess we could have done this research beforehand, but if he was a character, say, in Ocean 13, playing that insurance fraud agent. Oh. And then bringing him into this one post, you know, his rise to fame. As... That's a good question. And I don't know the answer to that. And I'm going to quick look at the, yeah. the uh, cast for Ocean 13, but I don't know. Because I truly think that that is the only reason to bring James Corden into it. If it's a continuity issue. I don't know. Then that makes sense to me. I mean, I'm not seeing him on there, but. No, he's probably not. It's just kind of a weird thing. They could have had somebody else. They could have had another random cameo from the Oceans franchise be that character then. But. eh, Right, right. It's okay. It just, yeah, it didn't really make sense. Nah. To me. Not entirely. I agree. And I think that was the worst part of the film. Yeah, it kind of fell apart at that point. Um, Yeah, that whole, like, final closing chapter. We'll get into, like, the cool twist and reveal that we get at the very end. Yeah. But other than that, the ending was a little clunky for my Totally. Like, I enjoyed um, the actual sequence of they kind of set it up nicely where... But it also, in my mind, was a little silly that they were hinging stealing this necklace on the fact that they were like pseudo poisoning Anne Hathaway's character and making her have to run to the bathroom and puke yes they put something in her soup like Ipecac or something yeah they she runs to the bathroom she has to throw up and in that instance that's when you have um Aquafina's character Candace like kind of go into the bathroom stall and be like sort of there there you okay and then unhook her necklace and in that sequence you know you're kind of like oh man like they could have really screwed this up. Like, that's their big plan is to just, like, poison her soup. Right. It's kind of hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but not necessarily meaning to be. <laughs> but uh, And also at that stage of the heist, she's not in on it yet. No, Daphne. She's not. And so the fact to me that she couldn't remember exactly, like, well, yeah, it was on when I went into the bathroom. Yeah. Once, once I was losing everything into the toilet there was this person who came by and she took my necklace. Yeah, they kind, of, like, they kind of hint that she had an idea right before, but true. she's not totally in on it. So it is a little strange. Like, I feel like you'd be a lot more suspicious if you weren't in on the, the crime yet. And you were just right. like, something's not quite right. Helena Bottom's character is being weird. Yes. <laughs> um, but okay, whatever. Maybe sure. they're maybe that they're just kind of chalking that up to like, she's supposed to be sort of quasi-dumb actress. Whatever. Yeah, or... Like, only cares until it doesn't matter anymore. She yeah. She only cares about the most important thing. Right. And the most important thing was vomiting her guts up. True. And so she's like, who cares about this? Yeah. Necklace? Like, it, I'm already halfway through dinner. Like, <laughs> everyone has seen the necklace. Right. I'm the status symbol yeah. of the evening. I don't need it anymore. I love that there was random Katie Holmes at her table. Like, I yeah. was like, that was a random actress to have be yeah. in the movie. Well, you see her on the, like, when... 
uh, Sarah Paulson's character sees the seating chart. Yeah. Her name is there. And I was like, ooh, are they actually going to get all these people? Totally. And then the actor who's in all of, like, the Wes Anderson movies was also sitting at our table. Oh, yeah. Vikram. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yes. I was like, whoa, <laughs> check him out. <laughs> Good for him. Sort of a weird assortment of, they have, like, Common and, like, yes. some other random people. Um, I don't know if that was supposed to be one of the Kardashians. Yeah, that was. Uh, and, like, Heidi Klum. Yeah. It was sort of silly, but, I mean, I guess that's part of the fun. Um, yeah, definitely. Just seeing all those random celeb people, because I think that's why people like to watch footage of the Met Gala. They right. want to see who shows up, what they're wearing, all that crazy stuff. Right. I definitely, uh, I'm coming hot off of finishing all of Absolutely Fabulous. Oh, I love it. And so I was like, <laughs> why isn't Adina and Patsy at the Met Gala? That'd be <laughs> so much fun. I would love that, actually. That'd be pretty great. <laughs> yeah, I just watched that, the movie, like, a few days ago. Oh, I haven't seen the movie yet. Oh, it's fun. I gotta check that out. It's fun. I like the show. But yeah, that whole sequence of, like, actually seeing the exhibit of the clothing. Mm. At the Met Gala. That was fun. So cool. Yeah. And I've seen one other fashion exhibit at the Met, but now I'm like, oh, I have to go back to the Met. Do they have that exhibit? I want them to. <laughs> it's pretty cool if you don't if you haven't gone down to like the where they have all the costume exhibits. Like that I definitely recommend going to check that stuff out. You don't have to be in on fashion to think that that's really fun just to see all the clothing. Right. Um, whether it's historic or whether it's new, it's just kind of like, there's some crazy shit down there. It's fascinating. And it's always laid out in a way that's yeah. very engaging. Totally. They know how to get you to engage with those pieces of clothing. So, sure. all right. So we got the heist. You want to talk about some of the reveals? Yeah. Besides knowing that Anne Hathaway finds out about it and that she ends up coming around and helping them, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like, because... After a while, it's like, well, Lou and Debbie always kind of were on the same wavelength, right. thinking-wise. They like, have their they, back. They already know. The rest of the, the cast of Thieves are kind of finding out, like, oh, oh, the actress, like, she she's in on it. Right. And they're also kind of like, now we have to share the money with her. Right. Which is kind of weird, because you assume the actress already has a lot of money. Right. <laughs> and I'm sure they're feeling a little bitter and a totally. little confused. Totally. And yeah. she kind of frames it like, oh, I just don't have a lot of female friends. And you're... <laughs> Which is kind of probably honest, but silly and sad at the same time. Well, it's also unfortunate, too, because I feel that a common female trope is that the strongest ones don't. do only hang out with men. Yeah. And don't have a lot of female friends. Right. And so I think maybe, I don't know, do you think this film was trying to combat that type of thinking? Or well, do you think they were kind of like reinforcing that type of thing? I felt like the rest of the characters all seemed to get along really well. Yes. And they did kind of like fall into this ensemble where they were having fun together or pairing off at certain times and playing sure. off of each other. Um, and they weren't always the characters that you would expect to be together. So that was kind of cool. That was cool. Um but yeah, it is kind of funny to have Anne Hathaway's character be like this famous actress and then be like, no, I don't have a lot of female friends. And I guess that would make sense with sort of a famous actress mentality. Yeah. You know, somebody who's who's being really concerned about their looks. <laughs> I would imagine that a lot of actors or actresses in general don't have a lot of friends. Yeah. Not even just female friends. Yeah, because you either have the people that you knew when you were before you were famous or you are falling into these groups of probably the similar type of people and no one has enough time to actually hang out. Right. <laughs> or you also might not trust new friendships because right. you don't know if they're after something That's true. or not. Yeah. It's kind of like that weird entourage mentality. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So then we also have a little fun part of the heist that we didn't really talk about. They bring in some older actresses. Yeah. Who are actually gets like really meta they're like actresses within the film right and so they hire these older women to purchase the separated necklace which i thought was really clever that they took apart the necklace yeah and assembled it into different pieces of jewelry yeah they had to get Mindy, it out of there they had mindy Colling's character like frantically taking apart the, the necklace in a closet or bathroom or whatever and then yeah they, she kind of like slips it out and they disperse all the diamonds to people and it is kind of cool like making new earrings or bracelets or pieces that can get sold elsewhere. Right. And it's kind of sad. Like, they have, like, the little old ladies, like, playing it up like their dead husband gave it to them or their grandma smuggled it out of Germany or, like, all this stuff. It's But it's that part was pretty well done. I agree. I yeah. agree. That definitely added a different level, a heightened level to this con that I was like, oh, yeah, like, that makes sense. They had to sell it to people who could also account for it. Right. And had to make up, like 
essentially weird uh, backstories. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like giving these pieces of jewelry alibis. Totally. <laughs> so totally. That they can exist on their own. Right. Out in the world. And they also take the time to plant one on the ex of Sandra Bullock's character. Yeah. And then have the Anne Hathaway character kind of like really play that up and re-engage with him to the point that she's double checking that it's there and she's showing proof to James Corden's character that it's there so that he can get a warrant. Yes. Right? To go in and find it. Yeah. 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 Pretty silly at that point, but... Totally. Not believable. Probably also not actually how you could get a warrant, (laughs) but okay. Right. 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 So before we get into the main twist of the film, we haven't talked about the tech yet that they get into. That's true. Which the tech is really fun and goofy. It's silly. It's super silly. 3D printers. (laughs) The future. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, what I find really fascinating is that not only was the 3D printer, like, printing out jewels and whatnot, but it's also printing out, like, the Met itself. Totally. (laughs) They're like, look at this huge Met that we have that we can show. The fact that they had a fancy 3D printer, they were just like, let's do it. Let's make the Statue of David. Let's do a three-dimensional drawing of the museum. Yeah. But yeah, a huge part of this uh, con hinges on your ability to believe that they have a pair of glasses that scans things yeah. very slowly, mind you. Yeah, a pair of glasses that can take photos and record things and scan for 3D printing, but yet so slowly. So slowly. And hinges on being able to access the internet? Yes. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, a lot of inconsistencies <laughs> with this tech. Definitely. Yeah. So, a little silly. A little silly. We're, you know, we're meant to believe that uh, Rihanna's character can, like, hack into the security system for the Met, but then the fact that they're in, like, the basement of Cartier (laughs) is going to be, you know, a pain in the butt for doing this 3D printing of this magnificent necklace. Right. It's a little silly. (laughs) This is not 007. You know, we're not impressed by the gadgets. Not really. No. Yeah. We're like... And the, that they would believe that the cubic zirconium or whatever was going to pass for diamonds. I don't think that it would have made its way all the way back to Cartier. I feel like no. somebody would have spotted that pretty early on. And I guess that's probably why they had to plant it on someone. Yeah. Because they knew that they would get caught. Totally. At the end. Yeah. yeah. But still, a lot of silliness there. Totally. But yeah, I think the the reveal actually got me. Did it get you? Yeah. I didn't anticipate that at all. No. And then I felt really dumb. That we didn't know that they were also stealing. So during the Met, they do the whole debacle with the necklace that Anne Hathaway is wearing. Right. And that's the the point that you're supposed to watch. That's the part of it. And uh, so when that happens, when the necklace goes missing, they put the Met on lockdown and get all of the guests out of the gala, down the staircase, towards the exits. Everyone's hanging out. And so the ladies know that the Met is going to be empty. Right. And so they have some extra fun while they're at it. Right. So the big twist is that they end up stealing a lot more than the single necklace. Yeah, they steal all of the other jewels that were on display right. for that particular exhibit. And that's when you get your little cameo of our tiny acrobatic Asian man. Yes. Um, being Mission Impossible, Tom, Tom Cruise style, doing yes. some acrobatics into the uh, high security room where the rest of the jewels are at. Yeah. That was kind of fun. I enjoyed yeah, that. I agree. Yeah. I agree. It was cool to see the reveal of like, oh, well, now this actress who's very highly paid is also in on the deal. Yeah. And then the people being a little curmudgeon And then the quick reveal afterwards to be like, well, you thought you were getting this much money. Now you're getting double. Right. <laughs> right. So that was pretty cool. Um But yeah, do you want to talk about like the end sequences where now that they've all got their money, what are they going to do with it? And it's pretty lame. Pretty lame. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, definitely for Amita's character. Yeah. Yeah. She's out in Paris on a date with a man. Finally. A a nerdy looking white dude that she saw (laughs) online. You're like, come on, man. Uh, All right. I mean, I get the understanding of wanting to move out from the parents and actually get out and travel. You get the feeling that she probably hasn't traveled much. Yeah. I assume that's what you're meant to believe. Right. And she's kind of been under the thumb of her very domineering mother. Totally. But yeah, the... uh, mm. I think uh, my 
my chosen favorite ending was uh was still Kate Blanchett's because it's like yeah. you see her early on leafing through a magazine about like a travel magazine and it's got the California coast and then at the end you just see her riding a sweet Triumph motorcycle um you know by like by herself like on the ocean front probably in like Big Sur or somewhere yeah um, good for her that's pretty sweet. Yeah, um, Some of the other characters. I mean, I guess you have uh, Aquafina's character who is supposed to be kind of poor mm-hmm. and a stereotype that she is kind of like scamming people in the park for money and then picking their pockets. Mm-hmm. She ends up buying herself a building. Yeah. <laughs> being on the co-op board. So you're kind of like, okay, I guess that's kind of nice. I thought that was fun because it was yeah. just like playful. Yeah. Like, it just she's showed just her like, having fun. Right. She's just like skateboarding in her own giant apartment. Right. You're kind of like, that's the most realistic. <laughs> yeah, that was that was like a very uh, big moment. Yeah. You know, if this guy directed big or wrote big. Yeah. She was like essentially Tom Hanks, like buying all the toys totally. for this like Whoa. cool space. Of course, of course that's she has. in there like that. That's very meta of him. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, she's like the inner child yeah. of the group. Yeah. She just wants some fun toys. Yeah. And she then wants to hang out. It was kind of random to just have Rihanna's character like now own a pool hall. Or a bar? Yeah, because, I mean, we get it that her name is Nine Ball. Yeah. We get that. Yeah. But we didn't really realize it was, like, for an affinity for pool. Yeah. Or, like, if she would have told a story of, like, her parents once owning a pool hall. And yeah. this was, like, the Nine Ball that she uses as the mouse, like, right. belonged to her family. I feel like it would have been cooler if but it ended up being, like, something to do with her fam. Like, now you see her little sis, like going somewhere to cool to college or something like like she's doing something with it because she obviously has this family right but eh. i mean i liked it very yeah. cool that she wanted to buy a pool hall totally super sweet yeah more power to her but yeah i just wish like there might have been some more depth to her character yeah up to that i know even sarah paulson's ending is kind of lame it's just like oh, okay she decides to go back to a life of crime like, what, right. is it, wait, what did that imply? Well, still, too, it seemed like... <laughs> she bought a Sam's Club? Like, that's what it seemed like to me. It was just, like, a weird warehouse full of more shit. Right. Like, does she just have a shopping problem? Well, they made the joke earlier, and uh, it seemed like she gave up the life of crime to start a family. Right. Because Debbie asks her, like, well, what does your husband think of this garage? And she says, eBay. eBay. Yeah. And, like, how can she explain this giant warehouse kind now of, to kind her of husband? Kind joke. Yeah, she's just going to have to pretend she went back to work, but he's not going to know doing what. I don't right. know. Yeah. But, uh... Her, her little, like, fence pusher thing is not appealing or exciting for me. No. I guess. What did Helena Bonham Carter's ending turn out to be? I feel like it, I can't even remember. It seemed like she started her own, uh, like, she, her fashion line flourished because oh. of it. Like, it was, so, it was very comical to see her fashioning... The, the necklace that they end up stealing oh, right. with safety pins. She was doing like a fake mock-up of the necklace. Yeah. And then later she's on, she's doing like some fancy it. window probably on Fifth Ave, like at Saks or something like that. Yeah. Okay, that or, makes more sense. Or maybe even somewhere else because she yeah. doesn't have a London accent in this film. She has like a... She's like supposed to be Australian. Irish? Yeah, Irish accent. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, like I envisioned her probably like opening a shop in London totally. or something. That's kind totally. of what I, what I saw. And yeah, I think we covered... Them all, and Anne Hathaway directs now. Right. And Which I, was kind of fun. It was kind of fun. It was sort of like Anne Hathaway uh, looking more like she does in Colossal. <laughs> like, a little yeah. bit more of a mess. They made her wear some, like, goofy glasses, <laughs> and then, like, boss some other actress that looks a lot like her yes. around. Which is kind of funny. Yeah. And to say, it's not that hard. Yeah. Acting's not that hard. No. So, well, not for this film, because yeah. this film was just fun. Yeah. So, totally. All yeah. Right. I will say that uh, we kind of talked about the cameos at the Met Gala. Oh, yeah. But uh, when they first showed Anna Wintour at Vogue. Oh, yeah. They didn't show her very much at all. It was very brief. I thought it was a fake person at I thought it was uh, Julia Roberts playing Anna Wintour. (laughs) That would have been kind of awesome. Right? first see her you like you see like the very blunt bangs yeah glasses i thought all you saw were like a really thin mouth i totally thought they weren't actually going to show her i didn't think so Um, either but yeah that was a random cameo for sure yeah until much later on then you see her and you're like oh no that actually is yeah winter okay it it was that was strange yeah (laughs) yeah so for this film are we saying like one giant step for ladies i'm hoping that this is a good show of faith yeah. that women can hold a movie 
and make a fun romp for people to go and see. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be sex oriented. Like, don't get me wrong, like, Girls Trip and Rough Night. Like, I think they're steps in the right direction. Yeah. But they hinge so much on the sexuality of the group. I could see that. And this kind of strayed from that, which I enjoyed. Yeah. Granted, it's about fashion and clothing and looking beautiful, but... Yeah. I think the sexuality was pushed back. Totally. Which I think is probably a good thing. And I think, um, you know, like, if you're comparing it to the other Oceans movies, those movies also have some aspect of, like, glamour to them. Yeah. So kind of the idea of, like, stealing from rich people, it's like there is sort of, like, this fancy air to it. So this kind of, like, kept with the tone. Yeah. It didn't necessarily mean that it was just because it was like women-led that it had to be all about fashion it was kind of just like hey we're in a museum and we're gonna steal expensive jewelry and we're gonna do some shit right so yeah, it was okay it was all right yeah uh, that was a very good point you make yeah in oceans 11 they're in vegas right and they're doing the casino thing and clothes are very much a big part yeah of they're pretty swanky the yeah and yeah. julie roberts is supposed to also be like an art gallery collector person right, right. so it's still kind of fancy yeah absolutely but uh yeah, I think it was fun. Um, didn't blow my mind. I don't right. think it's meant to. No. So if you like those other movies, you may not love this one, but I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. I would say go for the ladies. Don't go for the writing or necessarily like the end game. <laughs> but go for the ladies because they're great. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a fun cast. It was a fun cast. Yeah, that's what sold me when yeah. I saw the trailer, you know, months yeah. ago. For sure. And I love Sandra Bullock, so... Yeah. I don't know. I kind of like her better when she's a little goofier, but she's still good. Yeah, I really enjoyed her in this. Yeah. Yeah. She can hold it. I think so, too. And I kind of like the the poking at, like, the the final scene is her visiting her brother's grave or internment and... Making herself a martini. Yeah. (laughs) And said, you would have loved it. Yeah, totally. And I think that, yeah, just speaks to, like, if you liked the originals, go see this. You're going to love it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Diana, for joining joining me this yeah. evening. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks, Jack and Robbie, for, uh, you know, relinquishing the mic. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for cameoing here earlier, yeah. the beginning of this second half. Yeah. <laughs> and if you guys don't know where to follow us, find us on Facebook, Instagram, it's, Twitter. Yep. Story underscore things. screen underscore beacon. For Instagram. For Instagram. Uh, at story underscore screen mm-hmm. for twitter mm-hmm. and our website storyscreenbeacon.com yep articles reviews podcasts all kinds of good stuff and obviously if you have friends who want to listen to us as well and they don't really stream podcasts you can find us on soundcloud at yeah. story screen presents definitely plenty of different options to find us so many different avenues and uh lots of good music by our theme song composer von holt on soundcloud so check him out yeah yeah All these good things. Well, thank you so much, listeners, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. All right, I'm going to get the crinkly chip bag out of the way. One more crinkle. Get all that temptation out of here. Temptation Island. Yeah. (laughs) Temptation coffee table.